So, Robin, I, promise, I know you can't see the faces, but there are people out there you don't know, okay? <laughs> Just a few. So, it's really good to welcome you and Katie here tonight. We're sorry that Joyce isn't feeling too well and just needs to rest and recuperate, but it's really a great privilege for me to have met you tonight and for some folk to be reunited with you and the rest of us to make your acquaintance. So, who are you? Well, my daughter's just told me I'm not to talk too much, so I can't really tell you very much. So it's sort of, uh... Okay, so my name's Robin Hill. Uh, I'm the son of the youth... I don't know what you called Youth leader dad. in those he days. He was a youth think. leader in those days, and I, everybody refers to him as Mr. Hill. So, uh, yeah, that's who I am. Okay, and what, what do you get up to? What's your day job? Well, now my day job is running the New Hope Foundation. We, uh, you are actually our home church. I don't know if you realise that, yes, no, but you actually you. are our home church. We don't have another home church, so we asked you guys to adopt us. So we sort of, uh, but uh, we run an organisation in China called the New Hope Foundation. Uh, we look after sick orphan babies, basically. Two categories. One is babies that are under six months old that have got a physical problem we can get fixed. And then there's another category, and those are babies that are not expected to live. And so it's sort of palliative care, hospice care. We look after about 310, 312 babies. It depends day by day. Uh, my wife and I were the ones that, well, really, my wife was the one that started this all up and uh, she was the one that uh, really wanted to stay in China we, we were working there as expats she wanted to stay in China and look after sick orphan babies she's a medical doctor and so that was her focus so that's what it all started so you say you look after 300 and odd babies it's not just you and Joyce so tell no, me a bit we, more we, about <laughs> your team okay. we, we, you know, I mean, we, we can go away and nothing changes it, it all just carries on we don't do a lot of hands on caring for babies in, any longer but uh, we have uh, over 500 staff, basically, uh, that work for us, that care for the babies. So we, we have a, one nanny, as we call them, that looks after three babies. And they, in some units, they work two shifts a day. Some, it's three shifts a day. So it adds up when you've got one nanny looking after three babies. You do the maths, you find that you employ a lot of people. And so... Uh, we have another American doctor that is in charge of all the medical side of things now because Joyce had a stroke, so she's not able to do that any longer. Uh, he, he looks after that. We have 15 uh, nurses that work for us, mainly Filipino nurses. Uh, we've had some English nurses. There's one sitting at the back that used to work for us. and uh, So Gemma, was, we were lucky enough to have her working with us. Uh, yeah. Okay. And um, if we were to be praying about the stuff that's really current in your work, what would be the stuff you'd want us to cover in prayer for you at this time? I think th th there's two issues. One of them is uh, in China, registration in China to be a foreign organisation working in a sensitive area like this can be very difficult. We've been really blessed. God's opened the door for us to be one of the few uh, non-government organisations that's actually registered there to do what we do. Uh, they're changing all of the rules for that and so we have no idea what that's going to mean to us. It could mean we have to close, it could mean we can carry on doing things as if nothing could change but you, you never know in China so that's one big area. The other area for us is that 
we have an organization in the U.S. that funds one part of what we do, a big part of what we do, and they've reduced uh, their funding because they were sort of under financial pressure. They've reduced their funding by about a third. So that means really for us that we maybe have to send back 80 or 90 babies to the system, which we don't really want to send them back into the system. But, uh, you know, God's the one that's been providing for this for all these years, and it's up to him what he provides for in the future. You know, So th- those are two areas that we really would like prayer for. Okay, thank you. And uh, it's been great to introduce you to this building. When we uh, had this building, we agreed to tithe a sum of money, and part of that tithe enables... Uh, members of our congregation to go overseas mm-hmm. and experience world mission in a different way. So uh, just tell us, I know people have done it in the past, what openings are there to come and join and be alongside you for young people and adults uh, to share in your work for a limited period? Well, we, we have sort of those two categories. We, we're sort of, one, we're very medically based. And so, you know, if you are a nurse or you've got nursing qualifications or, or medic, a doctor and you would like to come on a longer term basis, and I mean for more than maybe three or four months at a time, if you would like to come for a long term basis, there really are opportunities to come and help in that area. If you're not skilled in that area but... Uh, working with kindergarten, that sort of thing, and just playing with babies, helping. If Again, if you're willing to come for more than one month, that's really useful to us, and uh, we, we have uh, areas that people can come and work in that. Okay. And one last question, if I may, regardless of what your daughter says. Um, one last question. Somebody came up to me after you spoke at the tea and said they distinctly remember uh, in YF that Mr. Hill, your dad, Mr. Hill said, pray for my son Robin. <laughs> pray for my son Robin to come back to the Lord. And they, he asked that prayer for years because you'd, if you like, wandered away from God. Yeah. Now, I'll let you get away with it in the last one. I'm going to be a bit tougher on you now. How did you come back to God? What happened in your life that brought you back to a living faith? Yeah, it's, yeah I was a real rat bag. I mean... Unfortunately, God's got his revenge on me. You know, and I've got, uh, we've got eight kids and none of them are perfect. And so I've got, you know, that one at the back over there is pretty, she's pretty close to it. You know, she's, she's one of the good ones. So that's sort of like, but uh, yeah, I don't know everything. So that's fortunate really. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I was a rat bag. I mean, I, my dad was the youth pastor and what he really wanted was to have a son that was involved with the youth, you know. Instead, he had a son that normally was walking around smoking his pipe with a girl on his arm walking around Aldridge, you know. So it's sort of like I wasn't really what he wanted for a, a reputation as a youth leader. Uh, you asked me what started it off. I mean, it really is an interesting story. I mean, we, me, I got married uh, here in England. And then my first wife and I, we went and we emigrated to New Zealand. And that, that for me was really what started my coming back to the Lord. And it wasn't through anything traumatic. It was just, I think, that change being out of all that was familiar in a new environment, whatever. So we went to New Zealand and uh, the company that I got a job working for, the boss of the company was a really neat Christian guy, very quiet, it just, uh, just, a, just a really good example 
of what a Christian was. But he had these two sons who were definitely not what I would classify as normal Christians. You know, one of them drove around in a hearse and his favourite trick was to dress up in an ape outfit and stand outside your doors and frighten the living daylights out of you. But, but they, were, they were sort of like crazy, a similar age to me, but they, they were wild, really, in many ways. And, uh, and, and suddenly I, I saw a completely different view of Christians. Uh, for me, what, what happened, I, a few things happened. I, I was applying for different jobs while I was in New Zealand. I, I wanted to work for someone. I remember one night going, waiting for a job interview, standing outside a church, and talking to God. Now that, for me, was totally foreign. You know, I mean, I knew that God always, you know, I, I never really didn't believe that God existed, but I knew that if I really accepted that, that my life had to change, you know, that sort of like I knew too much about me to, to know that it could carry on the way it was. So I, I, I stood outside this church, and I'm like, I'm talking to God. And I'm like, this is weird. Why am I talking to God, you know? Anyway, I went to the job interview, and I didn't get the job. But there was, it was, there was just this sense that God was drawing close to me in a way that I hadn't ever experienced before. The people, the, these two sons that worked in the factory, one of their friends produced a, a newspaper called Living Waters that they used to publish all over New Zealand. One day they gave me one of these and I put it in the car, hid it away from my wife because I didn't want her to get all religious and fanatic. That night I was going to babysit and so I went up to a friend's house to babysit at their house for them. I got that magazine and I read it. It was just full of testimonies of people my age, similar sort of circumstances who'd become Christians. And I'm like, wow. Oh, I'll go back a little bit. Before I read it, I was trying to open a bottle of beer and I had this argument with God. This is what happened. I had this argument with God. Okay, you you show me where the bottle opener is so I can get the bottle of beer open and I'll read your suit silly newspapers sort of thing. You know, that, that was the sort of level that my spirituality was at. But anyway, we, yeah, I read that newspaper and uh, it was just as if God was there and suddenly he became real. It was not going to church, not going to the parish church and listening to the rector those days that used to go on with sermons that were amazingly boring. It doesn't happen anymore. You're right. doesn't, oh, okay. But it was not about that at all. It was just this was a real person that was talking to me and I really knew that and it was, it, it was absolute. I, anyway, I read the, the, the thing and I went back home. My wife was at home at the time watching a horror movie. I said, hey, turn the TV off. Have a read of this. We need to do something about this. And she read the newspaper with it and we started to talk. Um, we were both just really convicted that... that we needed to do something. Well, it was midnight by then and I rang up one of the guys that was the younger guys that I worked with and uh, I said, hey, would you come around and tell us more about this Jesus stuff, you know? And he's like, what? Are you for real? He said, you know what time it is? It's midnight. And I said, no, I really, really, I'm for real, you know? Come and talk. He said, no wonder I've had such a crap day. <laughs> he said, I knew something was going to happen. So, anyway, he, he came round to our house and he opened the sliding doors and I remember to this day, he walked into the room and he went, oh my goodness me, this is real, isn't it? You know, and it was, he, he 
could feel God's presence there with us, you know. And so that night we got down and prayed and gave our lives to the Lord. Uh, soon after that, just, you know, we, we joined in with a, uh, the group that these friends were with. And I remember the first, they didn't have their meetings on a Sunday, they had their meetings on a Monday night. Because they were all from different churches all over Christchurch. And I remember going into the first meeting and, you know, the, it, it was packed. This living room was packed with people my age, that sort of like we were sort of early 20s, I suppose. They were speaking in tongues, there was prophecy, there was music like I'd never heard before. And I'm like, goodness gracious me, this is, this is real. This is, you know, this is God's power that's manifest here. It's not, this isn't pretend. None of these guys are pretending. None of them are acting. This is, this is something very, very special and very real. And uh, so that's really got, that, that's, that's how I got saved, if you like. I mean, I ended up being baptised on the beach at, uh, in Brighton. I re- somebody told me today that they, they uh, were with Dad when he had the phone call from me saying that I'd become a Christian. And, of course, he was absolutely over the moon, you know. Yeah, I mean, his prayers had been answered. I think he said to me, in fact, I remember, he did say to me, he said, now I can die. Said, that, that, yeah, he said, now I can go home. He said, that's it. That's all I wanted to see, you know. And it's funny, I, I, I know how that feels because we had one of our daughters passed away uh, about six years ago. Natasha, she had a stroke and uh, she was brain dead. Uh, and it was really tragic. You know, but the only thing that really got to me was that I, I got out of bed when my son had rung me and told me that she was brain dead. And uh, I felt, I, kn- I know God said to me, he said, I took her home. And uh, I took her home because I know what the future was going to be. And, 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 you know, there was a sense in which God, you know, he, he said, I've taken her home. And so I know one day I'll see Natasha again. And I, you know, I just looked now and think, well, thank you, Lord. That's, that was the reassurance that I needed to know that she's with you. Nothing, you know, I mean, it's sort of like for parents that are here, you don't know where your kids are at sometimes. You don't know where they are. I mean, I didn't really know where Natasha was at, but I mean, when God said that to me, it was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Okay. I know the rest of the rat bags are going to be all right as well. You know, I mean, they, you know, we have a mixture. So it's yeah. Awesome. No, don't go away. There you go. Um, we just want to share in this moment, you don't need to get the MBA out, but we just want to share in this moment, we're utterly delighted that Her Majesty the Queen honoured you for your work with an MBE. And we're delighted, utterly delighted as you shared your story with us of God pursuing you down the years, can I put it that way. There is a poem by Francis Thompson about the Holy Spirit called The Hound of Heaven who pursues us down the years. We're thankful that he did that, that you, that he got hold of your life and has made it so significant for the kingdom of God. Can I pray for you? Father God, we thank you so much for Robin, for his spiritual heritage, for the love of his dad, the prayers of his dad and the prayers of your church. We thank you for claiming Robin back to yourself. We entrust him and all his family to you and pray that you would minister to them in their several needs. We pray for Joyce, for peace, for strength, for grace, and for the deep knowledge of your love. 
And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to open the way for the work that Robin's involved in. Make provision for those particular needs, we pray. And grant that his story will write the next chapter in the life of your kingdom, for Jesus' sake. Amen. God bless you.